Well, good morning again, everyone. We're going to continue on our series, Unstoppable. We can pick up the outline right out there, the center doors of the ministry counter. Are you ready to get in the book of Acts this morning? Okay, you're, you're alive. You're ready to get in the book of Acts. Turn to, please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. This is an incredible story is the book of Acts. The church got started in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came, right? And Peter was speaking, and, all, and a, lot, a lot of other people were speaking. They were speaking in a language they had never learned. And the people heard those languages. They heard those words in their own language. And that Jesus was presented at that time, the one who was promised in the Old Testament, the one who came to die on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day. And after that message was presented, the Bible tells us that 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ their Savior. Amen, right? Praise God. And the church was born. And they met together to worship. They met together to pray and to fellowship and to break bread. And then Peter and John were, were going to the temple. We were told at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, going there to, to pray. And on their way there, they run into a man at the gate beautiful that was crippled. And he was there, they said, from birth from, for over 40 years. And he was asking them for money. And Peter and John said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And, and the man got up and walked. Can you imagine? In front of everyone, this man rising up and has not walked in over 40 years, rises up and he begins to walk and praising God. The Bible says that he was walking and jumping and praising God. Amazing, right? And they see that. Well, there's an uproar, quite an uproar about all this. And what does Peter do? Peter looks around and says, hey, this is a great time to give another message. So Peter shares another message and 5,000 people come to know Christ. God is moving in his church. We see this powerful movement, this unstoppable movement that is moving forward. So everybody has to be happy, right? Everyone's praising God and are full of joy and happiness, right? No, not everybody is happy. The religious leaders of Judaism were not happy. See, Jesus had disrupted their system, and now here comes Jesus' apostles, and they're disrupting their system. So the religious leaders have Peter and John arrested, and they throw them in jail until they can figure out what they're going to do with them. And that's where we pick up the story this morning. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Let's begin reading. Acts chapter 4, verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Now they're going to introduce these guys. Anna, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. We know these names already, don't we? We've heard of these guys. Weren't they the same religious leaders that the night before Jesus was crucified, they had him arrested? Weren't they the same guy? And they asked him, are you the Christ? Are you the promised Messiah? These are the same guys. These are the same big shots. These same guys right here. And Jesus answered them, uh, and they used what Jesus said, his words against him. And then they bring him in front of Pilate, the political leader at that time, and they said, this guy, he's stirring up trouble. He's stirring up the people. He's causing all kinds of trouble. So Pilate examines him and says, I find nothing against this man. These are the same guys. They did this with Jesus. The same guys right here. Verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? We're going to find out that Peter and John were, were men of great boldness. Think about that great boldness. Don't you wish you had the gift of boldness? Don't you wish that you, you said, well, I wish I was bold. Don't you wish you had that gift of boldness that you were just bold all the time? And maybe you're asking yourself this morning, he says, Pastor, Doug, is boldness really a gift? I don't know, is boldness really a gift? 
No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. it's not a gift. It's not something that can be bought. It's not something we're born with. Boldness is not a gift, but it's a result. It's a result. And that's what I want to give you this morning, if you have your outline, three things which result in boldness, what we see from this passage, that gave these men, these apostles in this early church, incredible boldness that they had for Jesus. And we're going to see the first one, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're to yield to that Holy Spirit. We're to yield to him too. Let's read verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, I mean, Peter took the opportunity not to defend himself, but to share the name of Jesus right here. That's what he did. And remember, he just spent a night in jail, and he's been called in front of these guys who hold this future in their hands. And they're asking him the question. They're asking him, who performed this miracle? By what power, what authority, whose name did you do this in? That's what they're asking him. By the way, these men want their names mentioned. They want Peter to say, oh, we did it in your name. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear their name mentioned because they're the big shots. And nothing happens, spiritually they believe, without it coming from them. So they want to hear their names mentioned. But Peter took advantage of the opportunity, and he spoke the truth. He said, we did this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, those religious leaders, that's not what they wanted to hear at all. They didn't want to hear Jesus' name mentioned. They didn't want to hear anything like that. But it was the truth. It wasn't done in the name of the Roman emperor. It wasn't done in the name of Caesar. It wasn't done in the name of Annas. It wasn't done in the name of Caiaphas. It was done in the name of Jesus, right? Amen. They spoke up, and they spoke very powerfully. In verse 10, let's read that again. Then know this, and think of you standing in front of somebody and saying this. In all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. At this point, if you were there with Peter, say, Peter, you might want to back off just a little bit. Yet we see him with boldness. Say, Peter, you want to spend another night in jail? Just keep talking, because that's what's going to happen to you. He's speaking with boldness. He's right at, like in their face. He goes on in verse 11, and he says this. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter, Peter spoke the truth, didn't he? But not only did he speak the truth, he spoke with that which, which was unpopular. And that which was unpopular is the name of Jesus. That's what he spoke about, in the name of Jesus. It was then, and it is today, is it not? It's unpopular. And don't speak the name of Jesus by whose power, whose authority. You can mention anybody else's name, but don't mention the name Jesus. If they'd have said God, it would have been fine, but don't mention his name. Let me ask you, has that changed today? 21 centuries later, really highlighting the United States, really from the Enlightenment period of the 18th century, what brought in this what brought in what we call inclusivism. Inclusivism means there's all kinds of religions, there's all kinds of beliefs, but you, not one of them can claim superiority over the other. Within exclusivism, you can say Jesus is unique, but you can't say that Jesus has a corner on the truth. You can't say that. See, that has infiltrated our society. To the extent it's embedded with political correctness, and we see examples of that and illustrations of that, every week we see something like that. You can say anything you want about Christianity. You can say anything you want really about God, but don't mention the name of Jesus. 
because he divides, right? That's what people say. Don't mention his name. The Bible says Jesus will be a stumbling block because he divides. Even in evangelical Christians are saying things like that. They say, let's talk about Jesus, but let's talk about Jesus, how he met the needs of the poor. Let's not talk so much about Jesus that he's the only way to salvation. Let's not mention that. By the way, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Being bold does not mean obnoxious. You know, people are obnoxious. Being obnoxious is not a result of being filled with the Spirit of God. Boldness just means candor under opposition or candor facing opposition. That's what we're doing. Perhaps to be honest, none of us have never really had to be bold because we haven't faced much opposition out there in the world, have we? We haven't had to face this. We haven't had to go against that. So maybe the boldest that we've ever had to be, and I'm speaking generally here, is maybe when we go out to dinner publicly and we have to pray before the meal. And hopefully you do that. And maybe you're not that, maybe you're not that bold when you do that. Maybe right before the meal comes, you have this thing that you kind of drop your napkin, you know, and you kind of bow your head, you drop your napkin, you say, God bless this food in Jesus' name, and you get it up. Amen. And you say that because you're not really bold in doing that. But we're supposed to be bold. Maybe that's about as much as boldness as we have as a pray in public for a meal. But boldness is a result of being filled with the Spirit of God. And so this verse has caused huge problems for the evangelical church today. Whether we believe it or not, that's the question. So the question, is there salvation in in any any other name than Jesus? Is there? No, there's not. It's only through Jesus, right? Jesus said it himself the night before he was crucified, answering a question from Philip in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what he said. No one comes to him except through me. Preaching an exclusive way to heaven has to be done in the context of being, well, boldness. It has to be done in the context of being spirit-filled, but it also has to be in the context of being loving and compassionate is the way we share it. It means we have a deep respect and love for people is what it means. And out of that deep respect and love, we understand they have a right to worship. They have a right to believe what and who they want to believe in, don't they? But out of that context of that deep respect and love that we might have for people, we share with compassion that there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. Amen? We have to share that. We have to be bold, but we have to do it with love and compassion. Not obnoxious. Being spirit-filled with love and compassion. But that doesn't fit within inclusivism. That is an exclusive message, but the, but the message is inclusive because it's to all who would believe. And so this is our challenge in the church today as individuals. And as a church, we have to be bold. And the only way that you and I are going to be bold, we have to be spirit-filled. We have to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, but we have to be filled with the Spirit. It means I have to yield my heart and my mind to Jesus. And he'll give me the boldness. I can't do it on my own just like the apostles. They were spirit-filled, and God used them, and they were bold in preaching the gospel, standing up, no matter what was going to happen to them. The second thing which results in boldness is we have to follow Jesus. We have to follow him. We have to walk with him. Let's read verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There's a lot going on in this verse, but these religious leaders had called these guys in, and they questioned him, and these guys were bold. We read about that in the previous verses. But really astonished him, how could they speak so boldly about theological issues was their problem. 
when they never went to the theological schools. That, that's what they were asking. It doesn't mean they were uneducated in terms uh, of not being intelligent and had a low IQ. That's not what it was talking about. It means they had never been to the schools of the rabbis. That's what they were talking about. They never been to the schools of the rabbis at that day. So yet they spoke with boldness and they answered their questions with boldness because they had been with Jesus. <laughs> that's what it's saying. The religious leaders, what they're doing here, they're gathering the evidence and they're trying to decide what to do with these guys. But they're kind of caught because the people out there had saw and heard about this guy who was healed and now he's walking. And they maybe saw him out there for over 40 years, this guy was a cripple. And now he's walking around. So they're caught and they don't know what really what to do. And they asked him, by what power did you do this healing? And they say, we've done this in the name of Jesus. All the evidence is there. They have all the evidence. They know everything's going. But the religious leaders are caught because the people out there are praising God for what they saw Peter and John do to this man. And they're all attributing it to God did it. And now if they come down hard on these guys and beat them, they're going to have a riot on their hands. The people are going to rise up against them. And that, during that time when they rose up against you, they would drag you out in the street and they would stone you. So these guys are on the edge. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with these guys? We're kind of caught. What are we going to do? People are praising God for what they did. So if we stone them, we beat them, we don't treat them right, they're going to come at us. So now they have to find a way to silence these guys. But, but this verse describes their feelings, what they're saying here. These guys are uneducated. They haven't been to any of our schools. How can they talk like this? But they have been with Jesus. Circle that word with in your Bible. That's such a powerful word. They had been with Jesus. That means a lot, right? They had been with Jesus. They had watched Jesus in times of opposition that he was very bold. They had sought many times. These men that we're talking about here are not strong. They're not men of valor. When we read in the Gospels when they needed to be, stand up and be bold, many times they were not. They were not bold many times. They ran. They, they were not bold. But through the resurrection of Jesus, through all that, then they started walking with Jesus, and, and they were spirit-filled now by the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2. Their lives were changed. They're not the same men anymore is what we see here in their lives. They have been changed by the Spirit of God, and they're bold. I read an article from a, a book called Kisses from Katie that came out quite a few years ago. And it's about an 18-year-old girl who was the top of her class scholastically in high school. She was a homecoming queen, and she was dating a guy and knowing Jesus and loving Jesus. But all that changed when uh, she left to go to Eastern Africa to a place called Uganda. And she said she did that following Jesus. This story goes back to Katie Davis' life where in her home that she was raised. They began to share Jesus with her at a very early age. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And she began to grow in Christ. But it wasn't until she said she was 12 or 13 years old when she still really started challenging, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it really mean to be a disciple of Jesus? At 12 or 13 years old, she's asking those questions. And she came to the conclusion to do everything that God wants me to do. One of her favorite verses was Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. She said for years she thought that that verse meant that whatever I wanted, that God would do that for me, that my dreams would come true. And her dreams was that she would marry the guy that she was dating, that she would go to the college that her parents promised to pay for. And when she got out of college, she'd buy a house down the street from her parents. She'd go to, uh, she'd go to church every week, and she'd live happily ever after. But she wrote that, then she said that God wrecked my life. He wrecked the, the dream that I had. She began to realize Psalm 37, 4 meant way more than about her dreams, that God would give her his desires, 
for her. He would give his desires. And over Christmas break in her senior year of high school, she goes to Uganda for a couple weeks, and there she's introduced there to children. She's introduced to poverty, to disease, and orphans. And she says, and God wrecked her life. She, she came back with an idea and a question, how can I go on with my dream life now that I've seen this? And she decided she would go back to Uganda for, for a year after high school, and she went back to Uganda, and God used her to do it in so many different ways. And she came back to go to college, and she realized that she couldn't. I couldn't go to college. I couldn't do this. That she had to be there. That's the way she had to be was in Uganda. So she writes, and I want to quote this, People often ask if I think my life is dangerous, if I'm afraid. I am much more afraid of remaining comfortable. Matthew 10, 28 tells us not to fear things that can destroy the body, but things that can destroy the soul. I am surrounded by things that can destroy the body. I interact almost daily with people who have deadly diseases, and many times I'm the only one who can help them. I live in a country with one of the world's longest-running wars taking place just a few hours away. Uncertainty is everywhere, but I'm living in the midst of the uncertainty and risk, the things that can and do and bring physical destruction. Because I'm running for the things that destroy my soul, complacency, uncertainty, comfort, and ignorance. I am much more terrified of living in a comfortable life in self-serving society and failing to follow Jesus than having illness or tragedy. Katie is living in Uganda today, and she started a ministry called Amazema. And Amazema feeds hundreds of children every day, and it pays for, their, pays for them to go to school where they learn to read and write, and they learn about Jesus. When she was 23 years old, she adopted 13 Uganda children. Think about that. 13 children she adopted. And, and where does someone like Katie get her boldness? Well, if you ask Katie that, she said she got it from simply taking, following Jesus seriously. Taking being a disciple of Jesus seriously. She said she got that. Now, I read not too long ago that she's now married and all that, but she adopted those 13 children. And after I read the article about her, I was just amazed. And I thought, God, give me the boldness of Katie Davis. How about you? God, give us that boldness. It may not mean send us Uganda. We admire people like Katie Davis. We read about them. We, we cheer them on. We applaud them. And we say, hey, praise God, God, what you're doing to them. But the fact of the matter, the bold, that boldness that she has is absolutely necessary for all of us to live our lives, be a part of that unstoppable movement of being on mission for Jesus. We ask God, God, help us to be bold so I can live the life that you've called me to, to glorify you with. It takes boldness to live the life God has called us, no matter where you live for Jesus, not just in Uganda, but everywhere, right where we're at today. Maybe not God's going to send us to Uganda, but maybe it means we speak up. We share with people. We share it to the name of Jesus to the extent when someone asks you, what makes you tick or why are you the way that you are? You say, I'm glad you asked that because it's Jesus. I, I met Jesus years ago and my life has never been the same. Or maybe it's a cashier or a waitress that says, boy, you're, you're a very honest person. You caught my error. And maybe you stare at him, you, you don't know my heart. I'm not really an honest person. Everything that I am is because of Jesus. He's changed my life. I've never been the same. It's because of Jesus. Boldness for many of us in this critical time in the history of our country in which we're living in today may not be putting a sign in the front yard about Jesus may not be going to Uganda or any place like that, but just may meaning the, mentioning the name, who he is, and what he did is Jesus, what he did for us. 
to maybe to our co-workers, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, just being bold for Jesus. That's what he's asking, that you and I just would be bold for him. See, Peter and John were bold. They were bold for Jesus. The third thing which results in boldness is what we see is we pray. We pray. We pray to God the Father. The religious leaders bring in Peter and John after they spend a night in jail, and they, they basically say to him, you want to go back to jail? You want to go back to jail is what they're basically threatening with. By whose name did you do this? And they answered him, we did this in the name of Jesus. And then now the religious leaders are caught. They don't know what to do with these guys. So they say to Peter and John, we're going to let you go, but we're telling you not to mention the name of Jesus ever again. Don't preach in his name. Don't share Jesus with anybody. And Peter and John say, if it's wrong for us to do this, you must decide. But we got to continue to talk and share what we've what we've seen and heard in our lives. In other words, they're saying, we're going to continue to preach the name of Jesus to all we come in contact with. So they released Peter and John. And the first thing they did, we find in verse 23. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And I like this verse. In the face of boldness, there was, I mean, in face of opposition, there was this boldness that they had, right? They, they were bold. They faced opposition. They were bold. When they were released from their religious leaders, when they were released from that interrogation, they went to a safe place. They went to their friend's house. That's critical for us to see that. They went to a safe place. In reality, that's what we do every Sunday morning, isn't it? Isn't it? That's what we do every Sunday morning when we come here. We've been out all week. We faced opposition. Hopefully, we've been bold. And then we come to our safe place to church on Sunday morning. We, we gathered here together, right? And we come back and to this safe place where we worship God and we fellowship and we pray together and we encourage one another in this safe place. That's what we do. That's what we do on Sunday morning. And, and, and so to, we leave here back on mission, back to face that opposition, to be bold. And, and I started thinking about it. Is it possible? that maybe our times together in church are not quite as important as they should be because we haven't been that bold in a world of opposition. Is it possible that's the reason? Is it possible we think that I don't really need church, I don't need to really come to church because out there in the world, I haven't really been bold when I face that opposition. I've kind of given in. I've kind of compromised. Because if you've been bold in the world, if you've been bold out there in the world, you know I need to go to church. You know I need this. I need the encouragement. I need the fellowship with other believers. I need the worship of God. I need the encouragement. I need the prayers. I need that breaking of bread and taking communion. I need to hear the word of God open and preach. That we need this. If I've been bold out there in the opposition of the world, we know we need to, to come here on Sunday, don't we? We know we need the church. We know we understand that. And so we see them, they, they come together. When they come together, where the Bible says, they pray, they pray. In verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And I can imagine in that prayer group, as they're mentioning, anybody have a prayer request? And I can imagine Peter raising his hands and, and saying, Peter, man, I got a prayer request. I don't know if you guys know it, but John and I spent a night in prison. And I, I pray right now, God, that God would strike down those guys that put us in prison. He would kill them. He would take their lives and remove them out of the way so the church can move forward. And they probably, amen, that's, that's good prayer. And maybe John raised this, I got a prayer request. I spent the night in prison. Have you guys ever spent the night in prison? It's horrible. It's a terrible place to be in. You never want to be there. So let's all pray that we would never have to spend the night in prison. Let's pray that. That wasn't their prayers, was it? That's maybe how I would pray. Maybe it's how you would pray if you went through what they did. But that's not what they prayed. 
Look what verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Boldness comes from an understanding that Annas isn't in control, Caiaphas isn't in control, Roman Caesar is in control, God is in control. And he's made the heavens and the earth and the sea. In our country, the leaders that we have aren't ultimately in control, are they? In our world, the United Nations, they're not ultimately in control. But the Bible tells us it's a sovereign God who's in control. Amen? And he made the heavens and the earth and the sea. So we pray to a sovereign God who's in control of all things, of everything. He's in control. And we pray to him for boldness is what we pray for. Boldness. That's what they did. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Does this strike you a little strange? Think about this. They were bold, speaking the name of Jesus, and they were thrown into prison. Now they're asking for more boldness. Lord God, even help us to be even more bolder for Jesus. Is that the way we would pray? Or we'd pray, God, protect me. Keep those people away from me. Help me to find a safe place to hide. Not them. God, help me to be even more bolder for the name of Jesus. Help me to speak to me more bolder. Listen to the second part of this request. Verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What he is saying here is, Lord, help us to do what we're supposed to be doing. Being bold. Preaching the name of Jesus. And then, God, you do what you can do. Bring healing. Make the blind see. Make the lame walk. So listen, we always need to allow God to do what he does, right? And then we pray, God, help me to do what I'm supposed to be doing. God's going to do what he's going to do. We've got to let God do what he does. We can't say, well, I've got to do this. God's going to do what he does. But God, I need help from you that I might do what I'm supposed to be doing because I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And that's what they were doing. God, you do what you do. You're going to do all kinds of miracles. You're going to do all kinds of signs and wonders. You're going to heal. You're going to do all those things. Help us to be obedient, do the things that we're supposed to do. And you find their prayer was answered in the very next verse. You find that here in verse 31. After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. If there's anything our church needs, if it's anything in the church of, of the world needs, around the world, in this country, and in our community, it's boldness. Amen? It's boldness. It's not a gift. It's not a gift. It's a result. It's a result of being filled with the Spirit of God. It's a result of walking with Jesus. It's a result of praying to God the Father for that one thing that they might have boldness. Boldness is what we need. Would you live this week with the result of those three things we talked about? And, and made for some of us, it may God send us to places like Uganda. Maybe for some of us, God takes us out of our comfort places. I want you to go and whatever it may be. But for some of us, maybe just taking the next step and speaking to people about Jesus, who he is and what he did for them, to our co-workers, our family and friends and our neighbors. Maybe it's just you going to them and inviting them to come to church where they can hear the gospel on a Sunday morning. Just say, our, our church service at Crossroads, it starts at 9.30, but why don't you show up at 9.15 and I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Because you know we have coffee in there, right? And you can say, I'll buy you a cup. If coffee's free, but you say, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. And they come in there and you can have a cup of coffee and have a snack with them and sit down with them. And then we'll go to church together. And they can hear from God's word, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what the boldness is for you. I invite them to church. We ask God, give us boldness. Boldness comes as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with Jesus, and praying to God the Father. 
How many of you remember my message of last week, the three points that I gave you last week? Anybody? The three points was last week that we stop for people, we connect with people, and then we give them real solutions, right? And ultimately, we lead them and introduce them who Jesus is and what he did for them on the cross, right? That's what we want to do. Stop, connect, and introduce real solutions is what we do. This week, we pray for boldness that we might accomplish that mission in our lives. And we kind of put these two together. We say, God, give us the boldness. Give us that boldness that I may stop for people, that I may connect with people, and offer them real solutions. And ultimately, to introduce them to Jesus because that's what they need. We all need boldness. It wasn't just for the apostles. It wasn't just for other people who are out there in the mission field. It's for you and us every day we need boldness. As we're out there in the opposition of the world, we need boldness to stand up for Jesus, right? Not to be obnoxious, but to be bold, be spirit-filled, to follow in the Holy Spirit, to yield into him and be obedient to him. Walking with Jesus every day, I'm not going to compromise. I'm, I'm going to continue to move forward and praying to God the Father, God, give me the boldness that I need today. Every day asking him for that boldness. And every day having that boldness as a result, as a result, being filled with the Spirit of God, walking with Jesus and praying to God the Father. That's where we get it from. It's not a gift, it's a result. Let's be bold for Jesus and let's be on mission for him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you come and we praise you. We thank you so much, God the Father, for your Son that you sent him. And we thank you so much that Jesus was the perfect example in all that he did. When we look at these apostles, Lord, we read about them in the Gospels. Lord, we look at them and we realize, Lord, in many ways, they were kind of wimpy and, and standing up for Jesus. They ran, they backed down. But Jesus never backed down. He was always bold. And we see that, that his example rubbed off on them, that they saw that he was bold in facing opposition, that he did not compromise. And we thank you so much for Jesus' example through the Gospels. And as we read the book of Acts now, Lord, we see that these men had walked with Jesus, and their lives had been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, they were bold for you, standing up for you in, in times of opposition, when, Lord, their, their, lives could have been, their lives were threatened, put in prison, maybe facing beatings, and maybe their lives being taken. And we look at it. Boy, they were so bold. They were so bold. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to live for you today. Help us not to say that was a time back then. They needed that back then. But Lord, help us to realize today we need to be just as bold for you. And, and give us that boldness, Lord. Help us to realize it doesn't come by just asking. It comes by us being spirit-filled, yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit every day in our life, yielding to you. And it prays, it comes with walking with Jesus every day. And it comes from praying to you, God the Father, on a consistent basis, Lord, regularly in our lives, yielding and coming together and worshiping and fellowshipping and all those kind of things. And then, Lord, that boldness is a result of all those things we find in our lives. So, Lord, give us the boldness. We know when we say boldness, what it includes, what it means. Help us to be those kind of people you've called us to be. So, Lord, we might live the lives you've called us to live, those bold lives to bring you glory. That we might be bold to stand up for the name of Jesus in a world that's compromised so many ways that, that says that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. There's many other ways. We know that's not right. We know the way, and it's through you and you alone. Help us give us the words to share with people. Give us the love and compassion for people, Lord. Let us not be obnoxious. 
But let us really love and respect people and understand they have a right to worship and to believe and all those things. They have a right to do all those. But Lord, we, being bold, followers of Jesus, have to tell them the truth. They need to hear the truth, that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day. They need to hear that, but it takes boldness to share that. So I pray for everyone in this room and everyone listening, give us the boldness that we need to live for you. Give us those opportunities to be bold, to share that amazing name of Jesus. When the world is running from him, Lord, and what they need most is him, and we have the answer, it is Jesus. Let us not be like the world and run from him too, but let us run into the arms of Jesus. Because, Lord, you're, you're the only one that can save this world. You're the only one that has solution for this world. And, Lord, no matter what's going on, you're still mighty enough to save whatever individual comes to you. And so, Lord, we come to you and ask us, give us that boldness. Give us opportunities to share the name of Jesus. I pray for each and every person here. I pray for the person who may not know Jesus Christ as their Savior yet. I pray they might come to understand that they're, because of their sin, it has separated them from a holy God and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. And I pray this morning they might understand that their need of a Savior and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and trust Him as their Savior. I pray for their soul this morning, Lord. So, Lord, we lift up this today. We lift up our hearts and minds to you and ask for the boldness. But, Lord, now as we worship you, Lord, let us surrender our hearts and minds, Lord, and look to the one who was bold, and face death on the cross for us. That your boldness to us is amazing. Help us to be like uh, Katie Davis, Lord. Be the people who are bold, no matter what comes at us. That I want to live for Jesus. And take that serious in our lives. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.